Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Competitive Edge podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. Thank you all for listening here today. This podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We're not actually going to be recapping the last couple days because it is all hockey today, and I'm incredibly excited for today because we have a guest, which is pretty rare for a show that normally goes at 8.15 Eastern time in the morning, but it's all NHL playoffs today. We're chatting about some of the big matchups, some of the players, and a whole lot more. And so I couldn't think of a better guy to bring on for today's show. He is the co-host of the Somewhat Work Sports Podcast and the Sports Agents of Chaos Podcast. For some odd reason, he's wearing a Boston Bruins jersey, which as a, an original six-team fan myself is not great to see, but I'm excited to bring him on. That is Iceman Dirt Coney. How are we doing, buddy? Doing good, bro. Doing good. Happy to be back on. Hey, like, I, I always wear, like, I, I've worn an Edmonton Oilers jersey before I wear my Blackhawks stuff as people who have known, we, like, we've been on podcasts and anyone that's seen us before, they know I'm a Blackhawks fan. But I saw this in the closet. I'm like, to be fair, and it's only right for the record-breaking team this season, I got, I had some memorabilia, so I had to wear it. I'm going to forgive it. I couldn't for the life of me wear a Red Wings jersey on today's show because <laughs> we're talking about playoffs, which we're not in. And also, I, I don't plan on going down the biggest disappointment road with them. So uh, definitely excited for today's show. As I said, we're going to be chatting. We're also going to get Jerg's NBA playoff uh, predictions as well. We got to get those on the record while we have them here today. But uh, we've got an exciting show for you here today. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup, and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so, and if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, Contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. So as I said, we're welcoming in Jurgen Coney today. We got an exciting show for you. And so we're going to start, before we dive into all of the NHL action, we got to get his NBA playoff predictions on the record. So it should be a very interesting Western Conference. I think we know that the East definitely has the the top teams at least regular season wise this year so I guess before I get your predictions what did you think of the NBA season as a whole it 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 was quite the wide open season and Ken I think we're starting to see that the last couple of years we're starting to see more parity in the league when you look at the Western Conference I think with the Warriors ever since Kevin Durant left they're still a very good team but there isn't the feeling in the West of there is that one team we're expecting to go to the finals for five straight years like Golden State did. Uh, and similarly in the East, yes, we have the powers. To me, I think there's always going to be a top two to three teams in each conference definitively that are heavy favorites. 
but at least the perception, the idea that the 76ers might not choke in the playoffs actually is entertaining. <laughs> and that the Cavaliers being the fourth seed this season, which not going to lie, I kind of I called that happening. Like it, it to, to see this amount of parody in the NBA after I think, and from my perspective, I mean, I, I'm fine with dynasties and great teams, but I, I think the idea of what has bothered a lot of fans throughout a majority of the 2010s was the idea of only one or two teams are going to be the favorite. And for us to see it to be a little bit more widespread and some of the great performances we have from players this season, you think of the rebirth of the Sacramento Kings. I think this was a pretty entertaining NBA season all around. Yeah, I would agree. I think we knew going into the year as well that there was those kind of top teams in the East. We knew that the Bucks and Celtics, as long as they stayed healthy, they were going to be the one, two there. You might have a team like Philadelphia that maybe sneaks up and they got close, but they're obviously going to be the three seed entering the playoffs. And then, just with a lot happening on the trade front, we saw Kyrie get moved to Dallas. That obviously didn't work. KD goes to the Suns. They now look like they are real contenders in the West as well. And so there's going to be a lot of great first-round matchups, especially out West. Um, even Minnesota might be able to push the one seed in Denver. We'll see if they can put things together and make a bit of a run. We got Lakers, Grizzlies. We've got Golden State and Sacramento, and then even that Suns and Clippers series. I wish Paul George was fully healthy because oh, then I would God. really think that would be an instant classic. But yep. I think Phoenix might have a bit too much talent there. So let's get it on the record. Who's winning the East, Jerg? So my ultimate Eastern Conference winner is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. Hmm. Um, I think even aside from being the number one seed, I think we saw how big of a deal it was to get Chris Middleton back in the lineup. And I normally don't like to play the game of if he had been there last season in Game 7 against Boston that it, that they would have for sure won. I think you're getting into dangerous territory when it comes to what-ifs and situations like that, especially one-game sample sizes. But I do think that Middleton made such a difference this season. I think the record, like, when Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis play, all three of them are playing, the Bucks are dang near unstoppable. I think, you know, it, they're, they're facing my team in the first round of the Heat, and we're at if we're lucky, we don't get blown out by 20 in some of these games. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks sweep us. And then in the second round, I think they are head and shoulders above still the Cavs and the Knicks. Both good teams, but the Bucks are just that tier better. And then if we do get the ex- the expectation of Celtics-Bucks, I think the Bucks have a little bit more. And I think Game 7 in Milwaukee will be big for them. So I have the Bucks coming out of the East. I've been on the Bucks train all year. And a lot of it goes back to the point that you already made about Middleton. The fact that Giannis, without him, was able to push it to 7 last year. I just think you add a guy like that. They added a bit of depth and toughness in a guy like Jay Crowder. I just think that this is a a significantly improved Milwaukee team from a year ago. I do think that it's going to be a phenomenal series either way. Um, It doesn't sound like Jalen Brown is all that happy in Boston, but at the end of the day, he had an all-NBA caliber season. We'll see if he gets rewarded for that once the awards come out. But I do think that it's a two-horse race. I think Philly... The thing that I like for Milwaukee as well is the fact that they don't have to play Philly in the second round because that's going to be a tough six, seven game series. They get to take on a Cleveland team or a Knicks team. Yes, they may push them a little bit, but I don't think that we seriously considered I'm knocking off the Bucks in the playoffs. So I think that's where I, I would lean as well. Out West, I'm on the Suns train all the way. Um, I just think since the addition of Kevin Durant, that team just looks so dangerous. And, and they basically have a big... Th- I would call it a big three and a half right? <laughs> because they have Aiton. They've got Chris Paul. I'm not going to tell you which one's the half out of those two, but then you've got Booker and KD as well. So having that sort of scoring and, and defense and everything, I just think that's a really talented group. They're going to get to 
probably avoid the Warriors, Lakers, or, or uh, Memphis. That's going to be what they get to avoid coming out of that first round or Sacramento. <laughs> I won't say the home they beat them for sure, but they get to play either Denver or Minnesota in the second round, which is huge. So I do like that for them. I think that it lines up very well. I'm dreaming of a Suns Warriors uh, West Finals. I can't have my Lakers go all the way. So that's certainly the road I'm looking at. What do you think of the West? Yeah, I, I, I'm of a similar mindset. I, man, I really wish Jokic wasn't getting this unlucky and having to deal with the Suns in the second round, man. Because I think this this Nuggets team to me screams conference finals potential. And I think the X factor for Denver really fast will be if Jamal Murray can show even a modicum of what he's shown us in the playoffs before, which is being a definitive all-star point like point guard, Denver's going to be dangerous. And I think if he can play at that level, they would threaten Phoenix. But if I do have to give an early on prediction before we see any games played, I would say the Suns are the favorite just because to me, Kevin Durant, he's meshed so well in that Phoenix lineup. Ken. And I think one thing that's been forgotten with Kevin Durant's legacy here is it feels like you could put him in on any team. And I think he is the most fluid superstar in the league in, in terms of he can figure out how to play with whatever team you put him on. He's just going to figure it out. He's that, A, he's that talented, but it's his skill set and what he can contribute in terms of his ability to be, whether it's a slasher, which I think he's not really, I don't want to say he hasn't done more so in the later stage of his career, post the Achilles stuff, but he can do that or just being the outside threat he has always been. And so I would give the Suns my early favorite to come out of the West and an early Western Conference Finals favorite. I right now, until I see otherwise the first couple of games, I have a Suns-Lakers matchup in the Western Ooh. Conference Finals. Because I'm not bought in on Memphis in any way, shape, or form. And I think the Lakers have the chemistry and the star power to be able to make a deep run. I think the Lakers are certainly a threat, but I would give an edge right now to the Phoenix Suns to come out in the West. I mean, full disclosure, I'm a terrible Lakers fan because I didn't actually watch a game until game 83. So uh, the fact that I didn't watch any regular season games, I think, I mean, the first half of the year, I don't know why you'd want to punish yourself by having to watch a Lakers (laughs) game, but Second half of the year, I, I followed. Like, I, I was just checking every night just to see where the team's at. How are they doing? Like, how are they meshing? And then when I watched that playing game, I was like, oh, geez. Right. I mean, they, <laughs> they played pretty bad basketball game, yet we're able to come out on top. And they're very fortunate that they now get to take on Memphis. And let's face it, avoid Suns or Clippers if they were to knock off Denver for whatever reason, if they were the eight seed. So I think they're very fortunate there. I've got the Bucks winning the title. Who have you got? This is a close one, but I, I got to run it with you because I think I think the Suns in the West are going to be able to get by with what they have, but I think the buck stops literally with the Bucks because I think you have Bobby Portis, who is a six-man caliber. Well, he is a finalist for six-man of the year. He's my personal winner for the six-man of the year. You average a double-double off the bench. That's pretty good, as well as being the only reason he's the third best defender on his own team is because Giannis Antetokounmpo, former defense player of the year, and Brooke Lopez, a defense player of the year candidate, are there. Like Bobby Portis has completely molded his game to, and I think he deserves all the credit in the world for that. Um, but I think the depth that Milwaukee has, I think coaching could go either way in that series. As much as I've definitely harped on Mike Budenholzer, I think him and Monty Williams, it's relatively close in terms of what they can do. But I just give that slight edge to Milwaukee because again, I, I think again, it's the confidence that the Bucs have already taken them down. Generally speaking, they've faced the Suns in the finals a couple of years ago, which how great of a finals rematch would that be? Now you just had KD in there. But I, I think the depth would finally catch up to Phoenix because if there is one flaw in that team, they traded all their best defensive players to get Kevin Durant. They traded Mikael Bridges. They traded Cam Johnson. 
They traded some very valuable wing players. And I think that's going to catch up when you take on a team that has not one, but two all-star, all-NBA caliber wing scores in Middleton and Giannis. Yeah, I just think the Bucks defense is going to be what wins out for them. You're going to have Drew up top being able to, to cause issues for Paul or Booker, depending who he covers. Middleton's going to be able to hold his own on the wing. And then I just don't know if Aiton's up for the task of having to step out and, t- and guard Lopez, but then also at times having to battle with Giannis down low. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be a great playoffs overall for sure. So with that, let's head over. Let's chat about NHL. And we got to start on a negative note, which I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, how can you not? You got to chat about. There was some disappointments in the NHL this year, and the, and there's some teams that maybe we thought were going to be there this year that aren't. Maybe there's some players that because they didn't play up to the level that they were capable of, their team suffered because of it. So let's give let's give a team and a player that we're both looking at as, as disappointments this year. So Dirk, I'll start with you. What is your what does your list look like? So if I have to go with a team, I hate to put this team on there because I have such a healthy respect for the the core guys, but I do have to put the Pittsburgh Penguins as my biggest disappointment. I think with the extensions to Malkin and Latang last offseason, I think we now have a window of uh, that Pittsburgh has to contend, especially because Crosby has flat out said that he doesn't know how many more years he's going to play. Like, I don't think Sid is going to be someone that is going to somehow break the age mold like a Tom Brady or Yagmir Yager. Like, I think Sid knows when he wants to step away from the game. Maybe it's at the end of this contract with the Pens or maybe two more years tacked on at the end of that. So I, I think you have a window here for Pittsburgh. And for this year to be wasted with the just lack of an offseason they had even aside from keeping Malkin and Latang in the in the fold last year, combined with the very questionable trade deadline moves that they made, it's just a wasted year for a core that wants to get back to the Stanley Cup. And I don't think they've ever won only one playoff series or no no playoff series ever since the back-to-back cup appearances and uh, back-to-back ones. Or no, excuse me, the year after that because they lost to the Capitals in the second round. So after that Capitals second round loss, they've only won once or twice since then. That is not the standard that, that has been set in Pittsburgh over the last 16 plus years. And I don't like it when playoff streak ends, man. And the fact that the Penn's playoff streak ended is just there's a reason why that whole front longest playoff streak out. of all four of the major sports in America ended with this one. So I would agree that that's definitely a major disappointment for me. It's it's Calgary. And yeah. I mean, not that I, I'm sad that Calgary had a bad year because I'm always cheering for the Canadian teams to to not get a cup since it's been since 93, (laughs) but I don't cheer for a Canadian team. It's fine. But when I look at this, that Huberto and Kachuk trade has to go down as one of the worst trades in a while. Because when you look at the difference in Kachuk goes to, to Florida, he has 109 points and 40 goals. And then he traded for Huberto 55 points and 15 goals. And we're talking about a Calgary team that, let's face it, they went to overtime a lot and they lost a lot of games where they probably needed that scoring presence up front. And I think you can link that trade directly as the reason why they didn't make the playoffs this year. Because if Kachuk, for whatever reason, is still there, and and even if he doesn't have 109 points, let's say he's a 90-point season, I just think that it was that big of a factor for a Calgary team that played a lot of close games and didn't win a lot of close games at the same time. They were one of the biggest betting disappointments, I think, of the year. I saw a lot of people betting Calgary money line, Calgary puck line every night, and then they're going to overtime and losing. So 
I think that that's definitely a big disappointment. I think players wise outside of, I, I don't even want to put Huberto in there because I, he's never been like the biggest points guy. He's had a couple of higher point seasons, but he's last season more of, was kind yeah. of the aberration for him. He was what second or third in scoring. Yeah. But outside of that, he's been pretty he's steady. He's, yeah. he's very steady. He's consistent. Kuznetsov scoring 12 goals for Washington is just absurd to me for a guy that should be a 30 goal scorer pretty much every year. And he only has 55 points. We see Washington. They absolutely slumped the last six to eight weeks of the season. They struggled big time and you can't just keep hoping that Ovi is going to, going to carry you. And he didn't get a lot of help this year because Netsov is one of those guys that didn't help out a lot. And that's why they found themselves not just not in the playoffs, like very distant missing the playoffs this year. So yeah. I had Kuznetsov as a player. Any others for you? Yeah, they, they became a seller too. Don't forget that. They became a seller at the deadline. Washington never sells at the deadline ever since Ovechkin's been there. So it was clear there. I'm with you on that. I have for myself, it, it wasn't because I had high expectations of this guy going into the season, Ken, but because of what I, I have an idea of what the team wants to do going forward. I have to have Jordan Bennington there for the Blues because you think of the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs last season for St. Louis where Bennington looked like he was in rare form again. And Blues fans will argue all the live long day that if Bennington had never gotten hurt, uh, that St. Louis would have completed an upset over the, the abs. Even aside from that, you look at a Blues team that you see how the season went on. And to me, it's very telling. Even though they sold at the deadline, that does not mean they're rebuilding. If you remember a couple of years ago, Ken, when it was the old core of St. Louis with Patrick Berglund and David Backus and TJ Oshie, they sold off all of those guys but got players back in to eventually build to the next core that they had. They recently. revamped. Exactly. They, did. they revamped, they retooled. And I think that's what this Blues team wants to do again because they were in the conversation for Timo Meyer, and they're going to be in the conversation for him in free agency because he hasn't signed an extension with New Jersey. Like the Blues are going to be players and you need a goalie who's going to be better than 27, 27 and six this season uh, below 500. I know overtime losses are its own category. Let's be real. He was a below 500 goalie. He had a below league average and save percentage, even though the league average isn't even that high because of how amazing the offense was this season. He was still below league average and goals against below league average and save percentage. The St. Louis Blues want to make a run. They need a better goaltending. Jordan, Jordan Bennington is not the guy in St. Louis anymore. No, I would agree there. I think he had a very tough year, just tough year overall for Blues fans as well to see them sell. Um, as you said, they were very close last year to upsetting the abs and then Bennington gets hurt and it kind of changed everything. But they still have a lot of talented guys there like Kyrie and, and many others. So yeah. they definitely have some potential there. So let's chat the teams that are in the playoffs now. We're going to start in the East because I think we got to chat about who's the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Now, when we're chatting betting odds wise, because we're a betting show, Boston is plus 185. <laughs> they are very, <laughs> very, very heavy favorites to come out of the East. And and how could they not be? Because they just had one of the most historic regular seasons in NHL history. So I understand the rationale when you've got a team with 135 points, next closest being 113. Now, when we're talking about the other contenders, you've got Toronto plus 480, you've got Carolina plus 520, and then New Jersey plus 580 as well. So Jerd, is this Boston's to lose or is this there's going to be some absolute battles in the Eastern Conference this year. Well, it's going to be a little bit of both. There are going to be some wars in the Eastern Conference, and I'm not going to spoil it because I know you're going to bring it up later in the show, but the the East, 
the, it was called the Beastern Conference for a lot of the season by NHL fans, and for very good reason. You can make an argument for six different teams to come out of the East to make it to the Stanley Cup Final, and we can even disagree. Ken, if you told me right now the Devils were, are your favorite, you think they're making it to the Cup, I can't disagree with you because they were just so good this season. Like, you can make an argument for a lot of teams in the East, like I said, but I think at the end of the day, it's Boston's to lose. I think the pressure, and I, I usually hate saying the word pressure, but I think the idea that this was definitively the best regular season in NHL history. This is the most wins in the modern era by far. And I think this is the best points, points percentage, points total as well. Like this Bruins team has the idea of that historical. And coming into this year too, it was billed as the last dance. A lot of the guys on this team, the older guys are on the last year of deals. They picked up a couple guys at the trade deadline that are, you know, this season rentals. They're not going to come back because of the cap situation uh, in Boston. And the fact the salary cap may only go up 1 million or one and a half million dollars. Uh, I have my thoughts about that, but that's not for this podcast. But I think overall, this is Boston's Stanley Cup to lose. If you're asking me who I think would be their best challenge, I might shock you here. I think it's either Toronto or Tampa is their best challenge because yeah. I think Toronto, for all the jokes that people love making about all that matters for Toronto is when April starts, I think this Maple Leafs team is really good. I think Kyle Dubas has done such an amazing job building them. And he's a free agent after this year. And, oh, we have some NHL GM free agencies to look at after this season, Ken. So I think the Maple Leafs will be a challenge. And I think the Lightning, look, they're the three-time defending Eastern Conference champions. You know this, Ken. Even before last season started, I said Tampa's going to at least three-peat the East, Stanley Cup final pending. Like, I've been high on this Tampa team. I know they're not coming in hot. But this is still this has been the most dangerous team in the NHL over the last three, four years. And I'm not definitively counting them out in any playoff series. I think Boston looks at the, that series as their greatest challenge. I think to them, if they can get past the Leafs lightning winner, I think in the back of their mind, they believe the East is theirs. Yeah, I think I agree 100 percent. Boston, obviously, to, to say that they're not the favorite after the year that they had, I think is a, would be a bit crazy just because. They had eight guys with 50 or more points this year. Yeah. Like, it's a deep Boston team, which, to be honest, looking at it on paper, I don't think people thought that it was very deep. I think they thought, well, they're bringing back Bergeron for another year, and it, they'll be leaning on that top line because that's what they've been doing for the last couple of years. And now knowing that they can go two, maybe three lines deep, that's that's the scary part with Boston. And they finally have goaltending. Olmark had a really good year. Even if they go to Swayman, like, he's not a bad backup the way that he played this year either. So. I think, yeah, they're looking at – I mean, we might as well start with that Boston series because that's kind of where we're going anyways. They're minus 334 to knock off Florida. I mean, they are very heavy favorites. And I, as much as I want to give Florida a chance, I just don't see it. I think that Boston's going to take both at home. They'll probably take one in Florida, and then they'll come back and win it in five. And I think it's a relative no-sweat right. series for Boston. And – even looking at the over-under games-wise, like five and a half is minus 148 on the over. So it's crazy that they think that this is even going six. I think that they're just doing this to hedge it in case, for whatever reason, Florida wins both at home. Right. And then it's tied up and then best of three. But I still look at this series and I think, well, Boston, I, I don't think that they're going to even be remotely challenged in this first round series, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think of the first round? No, you're not wrong, dude. I'm with you. Um, I think, you know, one thing to mention about Boston, Ken, as well with their forwards being so great with the 50 plus points, the top three players in the NHL and plus minus this season, all on the Bruins blue line. 
all uh, Carlo, Grizzlick, and Lindholm. Oh my god, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. so they're so good. Um, look, all due respect to Florida, it it wasn't an easy season. I'm still kind of wondering why they let go of the Jack Adams nominee from last season, uh, Brunette. Like, I, I still don't think that was the right move, especially bringing in a coach that's not known for having a lot of playoff success. Um, yes, you made it here. Kachuk, amazing season, can't take that away. But the inconsistencies in that, whether it's Bobrovsky uh, or Lyon, I just, I don't I don't see what the Panthers, I'm with you. I Being on this show, because I know, like, with a betting show, it's different from other sort. Like, I, I am interested in some of the upsets in this first round, yeah. Ken. This is not one of them. It's straight up Boston. You know what? To be honest, I think if this was the Islanders here, I might think about it. Right. I might think about it just It because... would at least go further. It would yeah. last longer. Last longer, but even maybe they push it to seven and they figure out a way to gut it out. But I think when you look at historically what Florida does in the playoffs, it's not very much even when they've had more talented groups. Yeah. We saw what happened when they played Tampa last year. Like everyone thought, oh, this is going to be some great series. And then it was <laughs> it was very quick. And so <laughs> I'm not even really that concerned about Florida, especially with how Boston's playing right now. Now, I think, as we just mentioned earlier, the other series in that division, <laughs> we get Toronto-Tampa again. Seven-gamer last year. And I almost, I almost feel bad for Leaf fans. I don't, but I almost do. <laughs> because of the fact that they have to play Tampa Bay again. Yeah. Now, to me, if they get by Tampa, I might bet them to win the Cup. Right. I, I'm at that point because I feel like if they get over that first-round hurdle, and it, no one's going to pick them outside of Leafs fans because they look at Boston as well. Historically in the playoffs, what happens when Boston and Toronto match up? Toronto finds a way to lose. Demons. But I think if they exercise those demons of knocking off Tampa – then they're definitely a team that you want to look at. And I think you'll get pretty good odds too, because not a lot of people will pick Boston. Now, that being said, Tampa has not been great down the stretch, but they still have this same core that has won three straight Eastern Conference titles, a couple of Stanley Cups as well, whether that be Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, uh, Hedman, Vasilevsky still in net. I think it's going to be a battle for Toronto still, but I think that this is probably the best goaltending that they've had in the last number of years. I do really like Samsonov and net. I think that he's a phenomenal goaltender and I just didn't see it. Whether it be Anderson or some of the other goalies that they've had there, I just didn't believe that they had enough there to, to make a run, but I think that they might this time around. So over under on this series, they're expecting it to go long as well. It's minus minus one eighty for them to go over five and a half games. So they think this is a six or seven gamer. I, I don't see many people picking either team in five. So What do you think of this series? I'm with you, Ken. I think this series is going to go the distance again because whether it's – I see, I think this Maple Leafs team is filled with something different where if they're down 3-2 in this series, I don't think they'll lose in that game six. And I also don't think if Tampa's down 3-2, I don't think they'll lose that game six at home. So I think this series is destined to once again go to seven. Um, This is one of those series where if you want to pick the team that's technically, you know, the underdog going in, you're more than – in your right mind, because this is the three-time defending Eastern Conference champions. This is the team that has, I know Olmark had the amazing season, but Andre Vasilevsky has been the best goaltender in the NHL for the last six, seven years. And for myself personally, Ken, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't know if I've said it on the show. Aside from Dominic Hasek, Andre Vasilevsky is the only goaltender in NHL history who I would consider if a one-game win-it-all scenario for myself. I would take Vasi. He's the only guy I've ever seen that, to me, even comes close to my personal preference. Hasek's my number one. For the longest time, I didn't have anyone else. Vasilevsky is the next guy for me. 
Like that's how good he's been over the last yeah. three playoffs for them. Um, in terms of who I'm picking, very barely. <laughs> I think Toronto, I think they might finally be able to do it. Because I think there are things that this Maple Leafs team has that they haven't had in all the previous years. And I'm with you, actually. If you, I know Maple Leafs fans would love to take it. But even if you're considering like future bets for the playoffs right now, I don't think it's a bad idea to put a little bit on the Maple Leafs. Because if they somehow beat the Bruins, Ken, then the cup is theirs to lose. Because I think my right now, my favorite in the East, whoever comes out of that Atlantic bracket, that to me is the favorite to make it to the Stanley Cup final out of the East. Like yeah. I, all due respect to the Metro division teams, there are some great squads. And I know I just said the whole thing earlier about the East being deep, but I think the definitive teams, at least for me being the favorite are the Atlantic division top three. Like they're just all yeah. so talented. I, what I like about Toronto going into this series is I love that they added a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. And it's a guy that hasn't been talked about since his first couple games that he got there, but I just think he's a difference maker in a series like this with his leadership and the fact that he's been in those big games. I just think he's a guy that is going to help lead them in a series like this, where let's face it, they're, they're trying to expel some demons here and and it starts with Tampa. It could move on to Boston. And then, as you said, you, you get out of this leg of the playoffs and I think you're battle tested and you're ready to go for whatever challenges in front of you. So we got to talk about the Metro Division teams. Now, the team that came out on top in that division, the Carolina Hurricanes, and it came down to the very end. They only were able to edge them out by a single point after that really hot start that New Jersey got out to to start the year. But now they get an interesting matchup with the Islanders. And I like Sorokin. Um, Barzell, great assist guy. I like that they went and added Horvat, but just not a I, – I would have to pick Carolina here. Now, I don't love the goaltending still. I'm not a Freddie Anderson guy. Everyone makes it seem like, well, they've got Anderson, so like goaltending's fine. And it's like, we're talking about Vasilevsky, Allmark, Samsonov on the other side. And even in the next series that we'll chat about, like Shesterkin. Yeah. Like, just the level is not there when you're talking Freddie Anderson. He's probably a top 10 goalie, but he's 10 if he is. So... That would be my concern with Carolina. I still think that they're a really good group. They do have guys like Aho, Svechnikov, Burns on the back end. But just I would pick, take Carolina to win this series. I don't know if I take them much further. What do you think of this one? I'm with you. And honestly, this is one of the series where I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility if someone wants to consider picking the Islanders. Because I think the Islanders despite the coaching change, this is the same team that for the most part made it to -to back-to-back Eastern conference finals. And the team that felled them was the eventual Stanley cup champion, both of your Stan Bay lightning. Uh, It's funny. You mentioned the thing with Freddie Anderson, that if he is a top 10 goalie, he'd be number 10. The thing is, is that the Islanders have a guy that would be above him. Sorokin's been magical. And I think people forget last season, they had to start all of last season, like basically on the road for the first 15 games of the season because of their new arena being completed. Like, there was a lot of other factors that led to this Islanders team missing the playoffs last year. And I think this season, Island, this season's Islanders team is pretty good. I'm with you. I would still edge towards Carolina, but I think the series can go the distance. I think it go, go to six or seven, especially because last season, all the struggles that Carolina had advancing in the playoffs last year, like it, it was not an easy road for them to make it to the semifinals. It's like, painful to watch and it shouldn't be. Yeah, because exactly. It feels, it feels like Carolina is a team that 
should this they should win this series in five games. It feels like they should, but funny enough, they had issues scoring this year at times. But they're playing another team that has issues scoring, but they have a better goaltender. Yeah. And I think that's why people could be swayed taking the Islanders here because Sorokin's going to have the edge. And then, like, Aho and Horvat are probably, like, level. Like, like they would be level playing field. And those are probably the best scoring guys. Brock Nelson, I guess, for the Islanders let him in points. But I, I think... The Islanders do have the potential to upset. I, I wouldn't go all the way of betting them to upset in this series just because Carolina, that's going to be tough if it goes 7-2 to go into that raucous Carolina arena and win a seventh game. But I think it's going to be close as well. I think if you're actually looking to bet on it, over 5.5 is minus 186. I would honestly go and find over 6.5. Right. I would, I would go just bet it to go to 7 don't even bet a winner in seven. Just yeah. bet it to go to seven. Exactly. As much as I can't see the Isles going in and winning, Sorokin, at least he's got the edge there. So we got to chat about what I would consider the second best series in the East in the first round. Because I do think Toronto-Tampa, that's just, that's just going to be an absolute war. But we're going to have a war here between the Devils and the Rangers as well. It's not, a, it's not a long trip either way for these teams either. So... It's a bus ride. <laughs> yeah, it's a bus ride. There's no planes being taken here. So over five and a half is minus 200. Everyone's anticipating this is six or seven, more likely seven. Shesterkin and Net for the Rangers going up against Blackwood or Vanessic, whoever they end up deciding to go with. I think they're expecting Blackwood for game one, but we'll have to wait and see. But what do you think of this series? I think it's, I think it's a battle. Well, I, I think if it is Blackwood starting the series, I think the series could end a little bit quicker because he's yeah. just struggled to see. Like, uh, Vanacek is the guy. Like, he should be the guy. I don't know if it's maybe because, like, injuries slowed him down at the end of the season or what it is, or maybe just fatigue. I think Vanacek should be the guy uh, for he the should Devils. Be. Yeah. I, I, from what I read, there's the potential that he's going to miss a game. Mm. But That is tough if you're New Jersey. But assuming he gets back as quick as he can. No, I'm with you. This I don't series... know how hurt he is if the Devils are minus 122. That's the thing. Fair point. Why are they favored if Blackwood is actually going game one? Fair point. I, I think, you know, the the X factor to me in this series is the scoring, and it would be interesting to see what the scoring lines on these two players would be, but Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. Part of the reason why the Rangers ultimately fell a little bit short last season, I say a little bit short, they lost in game six to the team that won the, the Eastern Conference last year, Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Finals. But a thing that was a Achilles heel in moments for the Rangers in last playoff run was the offense, actually. Shesterkin had some great performances, but it was the inconsistency of the offense in that Rangers team. Despite the weapons that they have, because of Benjet this season, he was a monster. I think he had a little over 40 points on the power play alone. Uh, Chris Kreider, not the same season. Like, Chris Kreider was still pretty good. Not what he was last season, but it was still very good. And then the number one weapon they have in Panarin. But I think offense to me is the X factor and you bring in two guys around the deadline in Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, uh, two proven playoff performers. I think Tarasenko is about a little over half point per game in his playoff career, maybe even more than that. And then Patrick Kane is basically a point per game in his Stanley cup playoffs career. Those are two proven guys, one Stanley cups, uh, four between those two, like they will make the difference. I love New Jersey. I really do. But I got to lean a little bit towards the, the team with some more experience when it comes to the Rangers, but it is funny. You mentioned it, Ken, this is the first series we've seen so far. Both teams are a minus into it. That just shows how the margin for error is just right there. Because you see Devils minus 122, Rangers minus 102. 
it makes a lot of sense because literally this I know we talked about it with Toronto and Tampa, but I think this is the definition of flip a coin. Like yeah. these these two teams are right there. I am higher on the Rangers here. I do think I'm gonna bet them to win the series overall. I actually might bet them to win the East because they're plus 680, so they've got the fifth best odds. But to me, we just talked about not being sold on Carolina or the Islanders. So for me, it's do they beat New Jersey? And I think that they do. I think that they have a ton of depth. Um, I do like you talked about Tarasenko and Kane. Adding those two guys is huge because they were very much leaning on Panarin, Zabinijad, Fox to carry the load. And so now that they have these guys there, I think that they have what it takes to beat a team like New Jersey, who, let's face it, they're not going to have a ton of playoff experience over on that team either. So I I do like the Rangers here. And then I like whoever comes out of this series, I think beats Carolina or the Islanders. I'm I'm not worried about that. So then you're just, if, if you like the Rangers, you're then saying, okay, can they beat Boston, Toronto, Tampa? Having Shesterkin, who's the best goalie in this division, I think gives you a chance. We see it all the time in the playoffs. It was why I liked the Rangers last year when we talked about cup odds because it felt like, well, Shesterkin, you've got a chance. And he took them on a run last year. Let's face it, they should have lost early in the playoffs. Yeah. And they were down 3-1. They yeah. were down 3-1 against Pittsburgh. People forget. They, they should have been out in the first round, but he carried them, got them to that East final, and then they lose in six. So they lose in six to Tampa, and now they add Kane and Tarasenko. I think they have a shot at it. So I think if you're looking at betting odds, plus 680 is kind of the way to go, almost 7-1 to for them to win the East. Now, let's chat about the West. Because the West, it's interesting where the betting odds lie. So they have Colorado plus 265. I don't think that should surprise anyone that they're the favorites in the West, even though they took had a bit of a goaltending downgrade. Uh, the rest of the team, like they were the hottest team in the NHL. It felt like the second half of the year. You got Edmonton plus 300, which I was kind of shocked to see Edmonton second, but nonetheless, they're second. Vegas third at plus 500, and Dallas fourth at plus 620. So is this Colorado's to lose? Like with the way that they played the second half of the year, all the talent that they have outside of goaltending, like is this the team in the West that, that everyone should be fearing? Right. This is the defending Stanley Cup champions right here yep. that we're talking about. Like you said, the biggest thing for me that I think people were overlooking when the Avs were off to that such a slow start, uh, and even forgets just the first half of the season, like even by game 50, it was still kind of a question of like, how good is this Avs team? But they were just hurt, man. And they're still yep. hurt because Gabriel Landis Cog has missed this entire season. He's, he's, I, I think I saw a report saying he's going to miss a majority, if not the entirety of the playoffs. So you're not going to yep. have the captain there. Um you're a little bit dinged up, I think, on the blue line. Manson is coming back after he only played, what, 27, 28 games this season. So it he hasn't seen a lot of action. So you are still a bit dinged up. You're still coming back, but this is still such a strong team. I wouldn't say the West is theirs to lose because I think yeah. the West is so wide open that, you know, they're, they're going to have – like the NBA. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, 100%. The West to me is so wide open in terms of it's an argument – Similarly to the East, but not because it's so overwhelming. It's because it, it's very on a level playing field, I think, for how great these teams are. So I don't think it's necessarily theirs to lose. So to probably answer the question of the, on the font there, the amazing font of who is the team to beat in the West, I would actually argue, and I know we don't normally make this argument for hockey, I would say it's the Oilers. I think you have the definitive best player in the National Hockey League. To me, it's not even close, not obviously. Close. And I think the gap between whoever – I've said this – 
to me, the gap between McDavid and whoever your number two player in the NHL is, is bigger than any other one to two gap in professional sports right now. I think McDavid is just on a completely different level compared to all his peers, which is funny because on his own team is a guy who's won the MVP award in Leon Dreisaitl. But to me, you have two of the top 10 players in the league, one of them being the guy. You have a defensive blue line that got a great upgrade. I think Matias Ekholm was phenomenal addition for the Oilers at the deadline. And Stuart Skinner has been pretty good. I'm not saying he's phenomenal, but we've seen teams with worse goaltending go on runs. I'm a Blackhawks fan. 2010, we had Anthony Yemi. Like, come on. Like, so at, at the end of the day, I think the Oilers would be my favorite because we saw it in the playoffs last season. Despite the fact that they lost in the Western Conference Finals and got swept in the Western Conference Finals, mind you, McDavid and Dreisaitl, at least McDavid, was still the playoff score, leading score at the end of it. That's absurd. And I, I don't think there's any reason for those two to slow down. They did have some injury issues as well. Evander Kane missed a good chunk of time. But I think him being back, Zach Hyman had a year. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, shout out to him because a lot of people criticized it when the Oilers kept him for that contract. He's paid dividends. The first ever 100-point season of his career. I think this Oilers team, to me, is my team to beat in the West. They're deadly. They're dangerous. And if you want to talk about flipping on a switch, I'm trusting the best player in the National Hockey League to completely dominate a game, which McDavid can do. You talk about goaltenders winning you a game, Kenneth. Connor McDavid by himself will win you a game in this series. Yeah, in any he's, series. he's the offensive equivalent of it for sure. Yeah. If I had to pick a favorite in the West, I think it's the Dallas Stars. That's fine. But my main reasoning behind it is I look at the three teams ahead of them and goaltending. Like, I know Skinner's been solid recently, yeah. but do I trust him over a seven-game series? I think he gets banged up a couple games. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's just – and you see it all season long with Edmonton. They're, they're, it was always seven, seven and a half, which normally <laughs> it's six, six and a half betting-wise. So you see that pretty much every Edmonton game. And it's not just because McDavid and Dreisaitl are scoring five or six goals in a game. It's that they're giving up some goals at times as well. So I get concerned goaltending. Same with Colorado. Vegas not having Logan Thompson. I mean, they're – they're down to like third, fourth string goaltending in Vegas. So I look at Dallas and I mean, I look at what Ottinger did in the playoffs last year. He was the goaltender of the playoffs for me. Yeah. Like I know that they got bounced a little bit early, but Dallas didn't have a lot last year and he kept them in series and really made them battle. Now I look at them this year. You got Robertson who had a career year, 109 points, huge year for him. But then you've got balance. You've got Ben, Pavelski, Hintz, Heiskanen, Domi, Sagan. I think they have the scoring this year to, to actually make a run at it. So that's why I like Dallas. I like that they have the goaltending there, but they also have enough depth to, to add some scoring there as well. And I think, I mean, I like them over Minnesota, full disclosure. I mean, that'll be one of the series that, that we chat about, but I just, I'm not crazy about Gustafson and Net, And I just think that that's going to be a Dallas 5-6 game series win. So Let's chat about – we'll start with that Colorado series. Gibson not being healthy upsets me. Mm-hmm. And if he was, if he was 100%, I loved Seattle to upset here. I really did. Mm-hmm. I felt like Colorado – don't get me wrong. Those top couple lines, like it, it's scary the <laughs> amount of scoring that they have. But Gibson and the way that Seattle played on the road this year. Right. Seattle was one of the best road teams, especially early in the year. It felt like they, they couldn't lose on the road at times. And so I felt like playoff time, that's what you need. You need to be able to go in and win games in the other te- in the other team's building. And I felt like they could win one or two in Colorado. They win a few at home, and then they win the series in six or seven. 
not having Gibson changes everything. And I know that it's Grubauer. Grubauer, are we going to call it a revenge series for Grubauer? <laughs> I, I don't really know if he was if he was great enough with Colorado to, to say revenge series, but there is a storyline there. So is this is this Colorado's going to roll through with no Gibson being healthy? I, I think so. That's part of it. Because like you, you like you mentioned, Ken, the thing is with the Kraken being Road Warriors this season, that was a massive part because of their offense. When they won their – because they won nine straight road games. They had a nine-game road trip. They won all nine road games. I think the first ever North American team to win nine straight games on the road in the in the main four sports leagues. Like, they did that strictly on offense. Now, I can tell you as a Blackhawks fan, who they literally just hung seven goals on us a week ago. Thank you for trying to help us with the tank, Seattle. I do appreciate <laughs> it. But the Seattle team can score, and that's been their calling card because, honestly, you look at the goaltending this season, like Bauer and Martin Jones – it's not been good. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it, they've been fine, but they again similar to Bennington. It's about league average, and maybe some games are just rough. But it, they can score, and that's the thing. I think in terms of the teams that Colorado could have drawn offensively, this Seattle team can keep up with them. I think you have Jared McCann who potted home a forty goal season for himself. Jordan Eberle who had a pretty good year for himself. One of the veterans on that squad, Matty Beniers. I think. I think most people would agree he's probably the Calder winner, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he had a great season. I think, I want to say almost 60 points. This Kraken team can score, but it's the defense that is my ultimate concern. And I think that's where, even if Colorado isn't necessarily still 100% yet, I think the Avs team is just still so overwhelming. I do want to give them their proper respect, Ken. I want to say this series will be will end in six. Um, but I think that, like, this is the Avs series to take. You're also such a professional because I said Gibson that whole segment and it was Jones. So like, I can't believe I, I had the wrong goaltender there, but that's okay. who I was thinking of. Just know that in my head, like they're the same players. So um, let's chat about Dallas, Minnesota. As I'd mentioned earlier, I do like Dallas. I think that it's, I think it's theirs to lose. I don't like Gus, Gustafson. I think Dallas has the depth. Are, are you in on Minnesota, or do you think that this is a Dallas win? No, and again, it, it sucks because, again, being on a betting show, I want to give the people the idea of, hey, there are some very <laughs> interesting like plus favorites to go here, but I just don't think this is the series to look at. I, I love – I know you rattled off like a couple of names with Dallas earlier, Ken. I think Dallas is home to two of the most underrated players in the league. I think Rupe Hintz and I think Miro Haskinen are two of the most underrated players in the NHL. And they're both on one team. (laughs) I think Rupe Hintz is a phenomenal two-way player. I think very underrated offensively. The development curve of him has just been phenomenal. And again, Miro Haskinen, a couple years ago in the bubble, the kid was a beast on that playoff run. Next to Hudobin, he was the most important player on the Dallas Stars in that playoff run. Is why they made it so deep in the, the COVID Cup as you know, as hockey fans like to call it. I think the Stars, this series, you talk about a series that you should be the favorite, like it's yours to lose. I think this is Dallas's series to lose here. Like they, to me, they have so many things, I think put them a step above the Minnesota Wild. And I I think the one thing Minnesota could try to rely on is just if Kirill Kaprizov can just be a monster. But Jason Robertson's on the other side. And if David Pasternak and Connor McDavid didn't exist, Jason Robertson might be the MVP of the NHL this season. I, will just, I want to give a shout-out to him because he, in a normal year, had a very good heart consideration. But those mm-hmm. other two guys are just so good. <laughs> I, I think this is Dallas' series. And it, honestly, I, it wouldn't shock me if they go deep in the playoffs. Dallas is good, Ken. I like Kaprizov, I like Zuccarello, but once you get past that, I think that's why I'm not as high on Minnesota. They had better rosters in years past, and I think we chatted about this on the show before, just like their contract situation was so gross over the last number of years, and it still is to this day. 
And that's why we're now looking at Kaprizov's a 75-point guy this year. But once you start going down the board, you're like, oof, I'm a Regina Pats guy. I like Sam Steele, but he's playing he's playing a little bit more than he probably should for, for a team like this. So then we got Vegas and Winnipeg on the other side. This is my first round upset. This is my, and I'm picking a Canadian team, which, <laughs> you know, whatever. They're, they're not going to go much further than this. But right. plus 139, I like Hellebuck. I do know Quick being on the other side because I think he's going to see some action, especially with the injuries uh, that Vegas has had in net. Yeah, I do think that he'll play some games, but I just think Hellebuck's the guy that's going to, he's going to take this series. And I think that Vegas, they do have plenty of scoring up front. Um, but I just think that this, this is Winnipeg's to lose, especially when I'd consider Hellebuck still a top five or six goalie in the league. I think that he's a phenomenal goalie that they have there and they have guys like Morrissey playing at a high level and, and many other guys. So who is it for you in this series? I'm with you. I know in the other series, I, I kind of like, Oh, you know, I don't blame you. If you go, let me hammer this one. I I'm going Winnipeg with you, Ken. I think Connor Hellebuck, it has literally stolen series for this Winnipeg team yeah. in previous years. Uh, they made it to a conference finals years back, which ironically they lost to this Vegas squad, uh, not the exact same players, but just Vegas as a whole. And then in the Canadian, in the like bizarre world year that was post the first year after the COVID bubble, uh, I believe they swept Edmonton. So like this, this is a Connor Hellebuck who has had playoff success. And again, you mentioned another underrated guy, Ken. If it wasn't for Eric Carlson putting up 100 plus points as a defenseman, to me, Josh Morrissey would have my vote for the Norris Trophy. I think he's been so good this season as the definitive leader of that Winnipeg Jets, not just blue line. I think even this team, I think he should be the next captain of the Jets because you saw the lack of leadership from this forward core that continued to fester even up to the last weeks. That's the only thing that gives me slight pause because I think there are some locker room things there in Winnipeg, but I will give them an edge over Vegas just because at, at the end of the day, it, it hates, I hate to say this as an excuse, but just injuries, Vegas is on their third and fourth string guys here. Like it's just, it's tough. And can you really expect Lauren Brassot and Jonathan Quick, this version of him to yes. summon it against Connor Hellubuck for a seven game series? I don't think so. I think and it's, it, I hate to say it. Cause I do like Jack Eichel. I really do. But I think, I'm with you. I would I would absolutely hammer Winnipeg being like the, the the definitive first round upset in the NHL playoffs. I think it belongs to Winnipeg. I honestly think the only way that Vegas wins this series is if you get bad Hellebuck. Yeah. Because as I said, you do have you do have Eichel, you do have Marshall Show, you do have Carlson. Like yeah. there's plenty of weapons there, but Mark Stone's coming back for this series too, from what I've read. Like he's yeah. set to return. Which that that'll help as well. It's probably why we're seeing minus one seventy three right now, because if they're anticipating he's coming back. This is probably closer to a minus 150 if he's not. So I do think that that's definitely a, a huge factor. Now, if there was an upset to be had of these heavy, heavy favorites, I think this would be the one, but it's only because Copley has been so good yeah. this year. I still think Edmonton's going to win it. But if we're talking about because there's four series where it's a minus 200 or more favorite, we kind of talked about the Islanders, but don't think that they could pull it off. Definitely don't think that it's happening with Florida. Don't think that it's happening with Seattle. The Kings, though, just given their playoff history over the last decade and the way that Copley's playing, that's why I would give them a, a fighter's chance. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that it's going to be 
McDavid and Dreisaitl scoring a ton of points yeah. in these series. But do you think that there's an upset in the cards here? Or is this just Edmonton rolls them with all their scoring? I think it's certainly possible because these two teams met in the first round last season. If I'm not mistaken, it went to seven games. So these are very familiar foes. Definitely a little bit of bad blood in that series to end it off last year. So I think we're set for a very good series. I think similar to what – I forget which series you said it on the eastern side here, Ken – uh, but I would try to look for like a plus six and a half on this as well. I, I think yeah. there is certainly the potential it could go to seven. But my only thing is, is that I think that LA has very much gotten lucky with the fact that Copley has played so good. Yeah, um, they have. Because, because I, I think their blue line, I don't know. It's just to me, their blue line doesn't feel the same as it did even last season. The forward core defensively is fine. Philip Denal is a stud of a player still to, to me, the best signing the Kings have made over the last couple of years in free agency was him. But I think just the blue line to me is a bit underwhelming. I think this Kings team, while they're good, I don't, I think even internally the organization expected some better performances. And I think that could catch up with them in, in this series. Uh, certainly someone who I would, I think next to my definitive Winnipeg, like smack it on the table thing. I think this would be the next team I would consider but again, the problem is they're taking on Edmonton. And I, I, I'm i kind of scared right now to bet against Conor McDavid in the first round. Yeah, it, to me, it's not a wise bet. Like, like if you want to go and make it because you see plus money and you're just hoping for upsets, then maybe, maybe this is the one for you. But the Kings, the only reason why I'm giving them a chance is because of Copley. I think that he's the best goaltender left out of those teams that are so – such heavy dogs right and we know that come playoff time there's teams that get upset like this all the time it's some it's usually because of a hot goaltender it's not because like this team has a ton of scoring it's just that goaltending edge so that that would be the only reason why i give them a major chance so before we get out of here i gotta i'm gonna play the last call pick segment sponsor video we'll do the the ad read and then we'll definitely give our playoff prediction It's our last call pick segment sponsored by Last Mountain Distillery, which is a family owned and operated company located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro distillery success lies in their commitment to producing high quality handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some of their great local products. They sent us this new t-shirt as well. So shout out to Last Mountain Distillery. Uh, they also sent us some great seasonal products, was able to try their sweet tea vodka last night. Very solid. Uh, goes great with some iced tea. So really appreciate them. Support local. Really love their stuff. So, Jerk, Eastern Conference. We talked about it, the Beasts of the East. Yep. Who's coming out in Eastern Conference this year? I got to give it to the Bruins. Okay. I just I just think they're so good, so talented, so well-rounded. I. I think it's the Bruins, and if it's somehow not them, whoever beat them to me comes out the East. Like, I think it's that simple. Okay. I'm picking Toronto. Now, part of me knows that I've been a jinx on this show, and so (laughs) maybe this just channels that and means that they get bounced by Tampa. And then my dad's sad, but I'm not. But I'm going to pick Toronto. I do think that they're going to beat Tampa. And then I think that they actually might beat Boston. I, I think that if they can get out of the first round, 
then yeah. then that's the key for them. Once they do and they break through, then then they're going to start to believe that they can do it. And so I like Toronto coming out of the East. Western Conference, I'm taking Dallas. I really do think that that Ottinger and Net. I think he's the best goaltender left in the Western Conference. So I'm going with Dallas. Who's your team out West? I definitely don't blame you there. Uh, I will I will stick with Edmonton because I just think if, if there is any team that has a player that could negate even the skill of Ottinger, I will say I probably do have an early, as of right now, Stars-Oilers conference finals. Uh, I think McDavid will be the only guy to make that series different. I, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl alone could definitely do something about that. So as of right now, I have a Bruins-Oilers Stanley Cup final. What a what a cup and final. And who takes it? Bruins-Oilers. <sighs> you know what? Let me crown the next guy. Oilers in seven. Oilers in seven. Okay, so McDavid wins the first cup for Jurg. I'm going Dallas Stars in the cup final. I do think that the Leafs will make a run all the way, but then they're going to run into a guy like Ottinger, who I think can steal it all the way. So give me the Dallas Stars to win the Stanley Cup this year. Definitely going to be an exciting playoffs for sure. And it all starts on Monday. Can't wait for it to start. NBA playoffs start today as well. In fact, first game's tipping off right away. But it's Brooklyn and it's Philly. <laughs> so, like, I'm not missing out on a lot there. So, Jerg, I appreciate you so much for hopping on. Where can the folks find your work? Thank you so much, brother. Always happy to come back, you know, onto the show. I've been on before. It was good to be back. Good to talk with you again. It has been a little bit. Uh, but you, people can follow me at jerk 40 on Instagram and Twitter. It, it's sometimes rough for me because of work. Like I'm not on social media as much as I have been before, but I will be, I think in the playoffs, I'm going to try to try to get on a lot more. So at jerk 40 there. And like you mentioned at the top, the somewhat sports podcast can be found on YouTube and Spotify and sports agents of chaos podcast. That's actually funny enough. going to go live on Twitter in a little bit as well. So, you know, just po- podcasting as much as I can love doing it. Love talking with great people. Kenneth is one of those amazing people I've had the honor to meet through this and yeah. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, everyone who tuned in and listened to the Competitive Edge podcast today. We're back to our regular time Monday where we're going to start giving some actual game predictions as well. So really excited for that. Appreciate everyone who listened today, and we'll see you guys Monday for the Competitive Edge podcast. (laughs) 